0: I'm a nerd over tribe. I will always survive. Bad boy bad baby. Feel so alive watching Babylon 5. We're to be a bad boy baby. Making best friends with but a robot. I, but, but to say, you know, I put that boy, part, it's just like, the part, boy, I know, I don't know, yeah, uh, is I have this idea um, because Winchester, you know, they did it, release a trailer last week. And I've been thinking about this for a long time. Um but every now and then, I'd like to do it. I'm not sure how to do it. And so we should talk about it when we're back in town. Is to almost be there occasional episodes of the podcast that are almost like panels, uh, convention panels on your iPod.
1: Yeah, no, I, I've, been, I, I've been, I have a yellow sticky in front of me. I don't even know what to call it.
0: Okay. Like, and you just say it becomes a special episode. But one, but partially, um, I think needs to be produced. My the first one that that strikes me is with Winchester coming out, and I you know I've been thinking about this for months, and of course then Miss Halloween is I know about I know I think could talk to three people who worked at the Winchester Mystery House, including uh, Tony Caballero, who's a screenwriter down in L.A. Um, all who believe they had encounters with ghosts at the Winchester Mystery House Uh when they were working there. Steve Mix very much believes in ghosts. Um, I don't think we could get them all in a a room. I think it's more like, you know, kind of almost a documentary part. And then sit down with Stephen Nelson, Head of the Skeptics. Yeah. And then talk about, you know, do a ghost story. and, and, And then conducting interviews with people. And we also have Way Back When, from The House on Pine Street, Right. I I specifically so that's how long I've been thinking about that idea. Is I asked Emily burlesi Goss, um, if she'd had an encounter, if she believed in ghosts, and so you know we could we could put that in as well, and just kind of like have these conversations, and then sit down and say, okay, Stephen, you know, it's less of a at this point that's less of a panel than an audio audio drama, audio documentary, but it's something different um but i'm also thinking this week uh it might be interesting with people talking about capitalism here's a sci-fi concept with star trek and and the orville which is the orville definitely came out and said last week they that the union does not have uh money um is right. back to that idea of the universal basic income and the social studies teacher from Notre Dame who just retired who's a big sci-fi fan um I said, had was an article, I think Oscar Arguello posted about, you know, the kind of the end of capitalism. And I just said, you know, I'm saving this to read for later. And he said, it'll never, it'll never happen. Good luck with that. But it'd be interesting for someone who taught government and, you know, and a, a, a level of econ to come in and let's talk about that sci-fi concept. It's, it's, it seems almost key to these utopian futures, and yet we don't believe that will happen.
1: Yeah. No, I, I I wanted to do something that was outside of our norm for a while as well. Um, only mine was kind of like, we talk all the time about how, um, you know, there are things that people are getting into now because they're popular, but they don't understand the basis of it. They, they have no, um, they don't. They have no history of it. They have no understanding of the way things work. So I was thinking about we could do one just on like what's the difference between prequels, sequels, and reboots, and really come come down you know. And who's the guest that comes?
0: And who's the guest that comes in with that? I don't know. I don't know. No, Uh, I you know no. no, That's good. Let's 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 put a note and have a running tag on Evernote of like such ideas and who you think would be good to sit in on a panel
1: cool. I do have one that uh, I, I w- that I know you're, you're going to know exactly who I'm going to suggest for this one is like like who is Bond James Bond
0: that would be Sal Pizarro
1: it would be so
0: in fact he just heard us say his name yes and uh it's like I've been summoned <laughs> <laughs> we have to say it three times <laughs> uh Sal Pizarro Sal oh there he is now okay so yeah yeah you're on it so let's, uh, yeah, hey. This is the Fanboy Planet podcast, and uh Darren Derek McCaw, editor-in-chief of FanboyPlanet.com. Thanks for finding us. Across uh, the state, uh, p- producing this from his uh, from the Brett Cave, is of course...
1: Rick Brett Snyder.
0: Yes, welcome to the podcast. Uh, of course, if you are <laughs> listening to us on your favorite podcatcher, uh, do tell them that you enjoy us. Uh, and of course, if anything we talk about on, on this uh, week's podcast is... Uh, there's something you'd like to own for yourself that you can, uh, and you cannot find it at your local brick-and-mortar store. Please uh, take advantage of the Amazon.com uh, link that is on each and every page of Fanboy Planet, the search box, as as well as occasionally direct links to to items, uh, and and uh, please support Think Geek, which we are affiliated with. If you go through the ad on Fanboy Planet, uh, we get a small remuneration, kickback, whatever you want to call it, uh, because we are affiliated with. A, a taste a taste we just we just want a taste that's all we want uh and uh, and of course if you'd like to just go to paypal and help uh support the cost of uh defray the cost i like that better defray the cost of uh of hosting a podcast on a website uh you can go there and uh under editor at fanboy and of course any questions comments compliments commentary criticism write in to editor at fanboy we would love love to hear from you as well you can find us on our facebook page fanboy planet or you can tweet us i believe that is the correct uh conjugation of the verb tweet us at fanboy planet or uh, you know though i don't think it's as great a a communications method instagram at fanboy planet uh so uh we got a lot of comics news a lot of movie news uh tv news Uh, it's been a couple weeks we've been very very busy we have and schedules have been crazy, and Halloween happened. Did you get any trick or treaters?
1: Oh, we got a ton.
0: Really? See, yeah. I was promised specifically that I would get at least one, so I bought a bag of candy and then showed up. So you know what? I got a bag of candy. It's awesome. <laughs> uh, <so laughs> what kind
1: of candy do you, do you end up with?
0: I I bought Kit Kats uh. because you know I thought uh, I I don't know, was there, but but I also um, I'm gonna you know make a little lodge a little Disney complaint. Um, which is rare, uh, but I, I bought candy corn because I've discovered at the Disney Halloween uh, that they're trying to to pass off butterscotch as the flavor of candy corn. Interesting. I bought this, I bought this little bag because I love these. Uh, they have these little bags every year, say Halloween, with a cool Halloween image of the Disney characters, um, and they're you know they're cool like little display things. And uh, it came with gummy candy corn, and it was totally... Gummy a, candy corn? Gummy, which was not candy corn. I felt lied to. Yeah. And it, it was butterscotch. And then at uh, Flo's Restaurant in Carsland, Land, uh, they had a uh, candy corn pie as a special <laughs> dessert, which I did not, because I also thought it was candy corn diabetes. Yes. Uh, so, uh, but it was basically, it was white chocolate and butterscotch. I'm like, that's not candy corn. Now, I know a lot of people listening hate candy corn because uh, I believe is you know it's second only to black licorice as, as the most despised candy on the face of the planet. Uh, and yet, both of those are candies that I enjoy. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's not candy corn. I love candy corn. I don't know why. I feel so guilty that I like candy corn. So, what is the
1: flavor of candy corn?
0: It candy. is its own thing. Like is David it? S. Pumpkin's. <laughs> I can't believe it all wove into that. I didn't mean it to, but that's what it's his own thing, Rick.
1: Um, (laughs) I thought it was like more of a vanilla flavor.
0: I maybe it's definitely not butterscotch. Yeah, I just feel like it's it's its own thing. So I bought a bag of Brock's. It's more subtle than butterscotch. Brock's candy cane, uh, candy corn. So I haven't opened that up yet. I'm just uh, I'm gonna you know slowly have like you know one Kit Kat. Fun size, uh, morning, noon, and night, uh, and then you know, once that's gone, then I'll go into the candy corn. feel like, yes, it's Thanksgiving because it does feel like it. It's a, it's a, it, it's a candy that that spans the holidays in the fall. Yes, yeah. So, uh, so let us uh, begin with uh, we have uh, an interview from Comic Con, and uh, this is November first, by the way. It's Wednesday, November first, and that is the birthday of. Uh, I won't say how old he is, but uh, of this comics creator whose work I have enjoyed for years, uh, and I finally, I, I met him at uh, a comic book legal defense fund party at San Diego, and so I went to his table the next day. I said, let's have an interview. That's Xander Cannon, who um, years ago got to do season two of Top Ten from Alan Moore in America's Best Comics. Um, and But he's, in recent years, been doing essentially he. uh independent books uh, and he has a a title uh, that is really fun and yet strangely moving considering what it is, which is it's called Kaiju Max and it's a maximum security prison for Kaiju. So it's like Oz, the old HBO drama meets Godzilla and it's intense. It's moving. It should not, it's one of those ideas. It should not work but it does. And so uh, we talked about that and some of his earlier work and work that was available. So without further ado, hey, happy birthday, Xander. Here you are. I'm at Comic-Con and Artist Alley with Xander Cannon, writer, artist, creator. What title do you like best? Cartoonist. Cartoonist. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. You know, I talked with Howard Shakin about that years ago and he said that it's like the people he respects the most in the business are those that are, like, the solo cartoonist. Right,
2: guy. right. Well, and aren't afraid that, to be, like, to say that because it doesn't seem serious enough, well, you know? I like the unseriousness of it.
0: Yes, <laughs> and, and there's a there's an unseriousness to your work. I, it was, uh, to, but also, we were just talking about Kaiju Max, uh, which is beginning season three. So yeah. let's talk about that. The seriousness and the unseriousness of giant monsters in prison
2: yeah uh well i i always find that my stories end up being a little too serious because i get a little dark and you know dreary mm-hmm. and so i decided if i start with something that's so preposterous and so grotesque and so colorful and so weird that then my yin ten- tendencies you know to to sort of make it a little downbeat will get balanced out <laughs> hey, and how's that worked out for you? It's worked out quite well. It's yeah, good, uh, good. been really nice. <laughs> uh,
0: season 2, you were nominated last
2: year for an ISR. Uh, yeah, for Season 1, oh, for season best, one. New yeah. best New Series. Best New
0: Series through Oni Press. Yeah, And I see you're doing it as Season 1, Season 2, Season 3. Why are you blocking it, it out as Season It sounds
2: pretentious, one? doesn't it? Uh, <laughs> look, I'm not judging. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the, I feel... Well... I, I thought I'd get a lot more pushback than I did, but it's. Uh, but actually, I think that people under people have an implicit understanding of what a season means, like in terms of TV. That oh, it's an arc, and it kind of you know wraps itself up with some threads left over, and that's what was my intention. I think that sometimes volume can be a little vague in comics because you don't know that the story is mm-hmm. essentially self-contained, and I really wanted to communicate that.
0: Do you give yourself a break in between? I mean, cause I think I kind of appreciate cartoonists, artists, creators. Yeah. Being honest about it takes a certain amount of time, rather than missing deadlines.
2: Yeah, and, and every every new season starts with kind of re you know recollecting all the stuff. Like it doesn't start the second after the previous one ends. And so I like to have a little bit of time to sort of say, okay, well let's just let's adjust the the tone, let's adjust the the cast of characters, and and go from there instead of having to just continually create you know and without with no breaks.
0: How how far ahead do you get? You work
2: uh, well. I'm probably you know two issues ahead right now, and by the end of the season, I'll be zero issues ahead. <laughs> and uh, you know, and but I but I do a lot of planning of the whole thing for several months before I start the first issue, so that I make sure that all the plot lines. I have a big board with post-it notes all over it that makes me look like a, a serial killer in a movie. You know, the <laughs> threads connecting everything. You and, photograph anywhere online. Yeah. I can run with that. Yeah. Uh,
0: <laughs> no, okay. Um, and uh, how, do you have an end game? I mean, we've got season one, two, three yeah. is just beginning.
2: Yeah, six is the plan. Uh, and I do have an end game. Like, you know, it's it's a character piece. It's not like a grand mythology, but all that everyone's stories I've sort of planned, plotted out to the to the end, and it's just a matter of mixing them together at, on the day, you know.
0: And with a concept like this, where uh, monsters are hot again and kaiju are hot again, I just have to ask if
2: the Hollywood industry sniffed around you there's been a lot of sniffing but not actually I'm not going to continue that metaphor (laughs) at all (laughs) Uh, Sorry, (laughs) but yeah no it's uh um yeah like people are people are interested but I also think that they look at it and they're like well this is really involved like this is you know this is a weird you know there's a lot of tone things that you have to like precisely manage and uh and also you know it's it's weird monsters and and things like that that might be kind of tricky to do. So I think that there's a lot of there's a lot of negotiating that has to sort of happen.
0: And you know. it's being tricky to do. Is there been something where you've started to started to write it or started to draw? Go, no, I can't. I just can't go there.
2: <laughs> no, well, there's a bit of places where I'm like, ooh, that came across weirder than I thought or more or harsher than I thought, and you know, it, or just just sort of seeing what hits the page. I think is sometimes important that I need to sometimes go. Okay, now I need to readjust based on what. What yeah. has happened? Um, but usually, if I end up drawing the simplest, weirdest version of everything, it always comes out right. <laughs> All right.
0: And I don't want to take away love from you. have also got this beautiful hardbound graphic novel from 2014 Eisner nominee. Right. It's the day after the Eisners, so it's on my mind. I'm like, oh yeah, these guys. You know, uh Heck. Yeah. Uh, what's your inspiration for a guy with a portal to hell in his basement?
2: Uh, you know, I that had always just been an idea for like kind of a middling uh, pulp story that I'd been planning mm-hmm. on doing. But uh, a couple of years ago, uh, several years ago now, uh, I decided I was just going to, I was just going to do it with no plan in mind. I was just going to kind of start at twelve pages. I was going to, I did twelve pages in twelve hours, like I just quickly knocked it out. And over the course of several years, when I was working on this in my spare time, it actually became a very personal novel for me. And it, you know, it, it we, we coincided with the process of adopting our son, and there's a lot of sort of weird emotion that goes into something that's fairly preposterous on the surface.
0: Yeah, it did. Because, uh, you know, you had done top ten, and I want to say there had been uh, you had done one of the solo characters. Smacks. I mean, yes. Smacks. I, yeah. I, I know it's been a while. Yeah, right, so, you it totally know, has. I, it's in a box in my garage. I loved it, but I don't, you know. Right.
2: Fifteen years, we'll do that. Yeah, <laughs> so
0: fifteen years ago you were doing that, and now you know, say you, you, you've adopted a, a child. Has having a child changed the way you approach your work uh, you know, is there some?
2: Are it's, you, it's made me more plain about it, more more honest about it. Where I realize I've always been a fairly sentimental person, but then when you have this something, a person to sort of like put your sentimentality and your sense of protectiveness and all that stuff around it, it's like, oh wow, that you know, it becomes something. It, it becomes a lot more vital, I think. To is your work. he
0: is he old enough to have be aware of what you're doing?
2: Oh yeah, he thinks it's cool and weird. And what did you yeah. give? What did you, where did you start him off with your work? Um, he doesn't really read my works. I mean, he'll look at it, but he likes other stuff. I mean, he's into other stuff. Dad yeah. stuff is, hey, eh, it's cool and weird, but nothing someday. But someday, <laughs> you know. All right. Well, thank you for <laughs> yeah, taking the time. No I hope you having a great rest of your yeah. Time. Thank you.
0: Once again, thank you. Now let's get to our comics news. The big thing to me this week, and I don't, I, I, I feel like you will probably agree with me, is the. Seemingly sudden announcement that Comic-Con HQ was no longer its own website, which is Comic-Con International's uh, collaboration with Lionsgate, that they did a lot of foo for and hullabaloo a couple of years ago about how, hey, Comic-Con's going to be streamed now. We've got all kinds of, all, uh, of comics-related, nerd-related programming uh, at a reasonable price of, what, $5 a month? Um, and... I just picked up last week, and I think you had been upset over the summer. We may have noticed that, I think I'm right on this, that uh, the year we are in currently is 2017, correct? Yes, yes. Yes, correct. And, yes, thank you. Thank because... you for
1: coming to me for that
2: <laughs> essential
1: information.
0: Well, you know, I travel through time, sometimes willfully, sometimes, you know, I'm right, aware, and sometimes right. I'm not. And uh, sometimes we're podcasting from two weeks in the future. We don't know. And uh, so it's it, it's 2017, and during Comic-Con, of 2017 in july comic-con hq only posted panels from 2016.
1: yes it was it was such a joy to revisit which
0: which betrayed the promise of comic-con hq well well, the uh, implicit
1: the implicit nature of what you you thought you were buying yes because uh, and going back i don't think they actually broke any promises but they certainly didn't live up to well it's one of
0: those things where i think they implied very strongly yes Yes, uh, but you're right. They were probably not explicit. They developed a bunch of talk shows, and like Mark Hamill has a show about fandom and people's collections, which I think is great that he's got that. Uh, there was Con Man, of course, which they're you know switched over to sci-fi, hopefully for season three. Uh, I and anyway, the point I picked up over the weekend just this little thing that hey, Lionsgate was pulling out of Comic Con HQ. That was a uh, Stephanie read that to me aloud, and I went, "Wait, wait a minute, what?" You know, because as I we talked about Comic Con HQ a few weeks ago, and I said, "Like, I keep forgetting I have it." So, I, I with it is with mixed emotions that I received the email. I guess it was yesterday. You forwarded your version, your copy of it today.
1: I got it yesterday too, but I just hadn't gotten yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, I just
0: can't remember. You know, again, time travel, Rick. I'm not sure when I get things. Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it, that it came yesterday. That they were shutting down the separate website. And then everything was migrating to either free on Roku, and I don't understand how Roku works. Uh, I, I mean, I do, but I don't, you know, like I don't have one, uh, or it could be one of the affiliate cha- one, of the, one of the fabulous channels on Amazon Prime. Also, 2 TV. Yeah, I don't even know, I'd never heard of that before.
1: 2Bit TV, yeah.
0: Had you heard of that before? Never. No, okay. So, I'm not crazy <laughs> It's like it is a joke in Mark Marin's latest stand up special about how like people come to with T V shows uh, things he's gotta watch and not only has he never heard of the show, he's never heard of the platform it's on. Right. I, you know, and I, it is out of control, so it's something new. Well so, it's it
1: weird because I've never heard of Amazon channels before.
0: Oh, I knew that. And it started with HBO and stars. So you can pay oh, it's more. That thing. And you can just get a, a, and then when you, when you go along that, you, uh, see, uh, you know, there are a whole bunch more, including BritBox. So I was thinking that's the way I would, I would subscribe to BritBox. Yeah. But, you know, so I, I checked this out. So you have Um, to
1: pay for each of the individual channels. You don't just get Amazon channels, and it's all of them. No,
0: you don't, and that is
1: frustrating and annoying, and and so Prime had uh, Prime had free video with it, too. Yeah, and it does further segregating what's on Amazon. I mean, I'm sure some of this stuff crossed over.
0: Well, no, I would say Comic Con HQ never had uh, movies that were things were available on Amazon Prime. They were, and, and certainly not let's call them second run, like even if it was done with sci-fi, um, you, that uh, that like Amazon, even Amazon Prime had the first season of The Expanse. They have not, to the best of my knowledge, I check every couple weeks, gotten the second season of The Expanse on yet. Um, but Comic-Con HQ would never have had that. The shows that they carry are things that are a couple of decades old. Fan favorites that, you know, maybe there's not a huge, Netflix isn't searching for them, for that programming, uh, you know, Amazon Prime wasn't that interested in it, um, but it is frustrating. Like, there's Acorn Media, which is a bunch of BBC stuff. There's BritBox, Shutter. So I may have to like go into Shutter and figure out, okay, what I'd like to do is if I'm going to have to pay for these channels separately anyway, why can't I just transfer over my subscription, right? And just you know, and and, and they just lump it in there. I'm assuming that that comic-con hq um has stopped charging if they've shut down their web interface so that you know my having taken the first week but i lost whatever uh membership there was no way to like sign in and say okay hook me up with amazon prime you know i there it, was, it had to be basically a new account with comic-con hq and you had posted yesterday as well that, like, Dark Shadows has a streaming?
1: It has its own streaming service. So, like, $70, $80 70, $70 for a year or, like, $8 a month.
0: Is there anything? Well, I guess the movies, that House all, of Dark it's all, Shadows. Yeah, it's,
1: and, it's all, God, I've forgotten how many episodes they said there were. Those thousands of
0: episodes. Of yeah, well, Dark at least Shadows. 500. That's yeah. not that much of an exaggeration, yeah. there's yeah. that was a long-running show. So, But it's just that it's just dark shadows it's not anything else
1: i don't think it's anything else
0: okay see so there you go so let's say eight dollars a month and let's go amazon prime say i'm going to take that solution which by the way so here's i experiment because you asked me and i took again on my uh, lunch i went on to my playstation and which i have amazon prime as an app on that uh so I was not able to access anything other than telling me what Comic Con HQ programming was. I oh. could not sign up. I could not link it up. I went back to my web to my computer, and I set it up that way. Um, so now it is linked to Amazon Prime, which probably means that, granted, I, I will probably watch more of Comic Con HQ because at least now it is all through one app. But what are we paying for Amazon Prime? Ninety bucks. I still
1: think it's around $80. I'm, I'm, $80, 90 yeah.
0: going, I, you know, I, I yeah. know mine's going to come up soon. Uh, at least, you know, so that's, an, that's one annual and then I'm paying $5 a month. Now, you're paying whatever else on Netflix. You're paying whatever else on Hulu. Um, if this works well, I'll probably add BritBox because then I'll have access to all the Doctor Who stuff. I don't know that I would add Dark Shadows. It's more because I think it's one of those things that it might be better for me just to have fond memories of. But... Once again, it's all starting to creep up. If everybody's got their own individual uh, things. And then you say, if Comic-Con HQ failed, which should have had, if it had been handled better. I think you and I are both in agreement that because of the implicit promise of access to what is Comic-Con.
1: We were much more excited about it when, it was, when we thought it was going to be something else. And
0: there's still some very interesting program. I went back in and tagged a bunch of old bad movies that I really wanted to watch. Um, including a, the Doctor Who movies with Peter Cushing, yes. and, and you know, so I was like, "Oh, good," because I think that's the only place those are available right now. I think they're uh, on too. <laughs> I know, I know, sh- I know the shows are. I don't know what the movies are, but um, in, and also this is Spinal Tap for some strange reason. And if you really, 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 really have to. Watch the uh, Lionsgate slash sci-fi production of Man Thing, the Marvel character. Uh, that movie is still available it is, it on Comic Con HQ. Um, if you really have to, I don't recommend it. Maybe watch the first two minutes because the visual gag is hilarious. Uh, and I just don't know that they really meant it to be. Uh, and I think I say that every time I talk about that movie. But that's that's it. I think um, that
1: the only streaming service that has Jesus Christ Vampire Hunter or Vampire Slayer.
0: Okay, so there, there. The, that's, mus- uh, the musical. I forgot that was a musical. Uh, so yes, uh, there we go. I, so be aware, it's now available through Amazon Prime. Once again, a story that we are constantly watching as the media landscape shifts is: at what point does it become, you know, that we are again bundling up a bunch of? <laughs> I realize this is what I'm saying. I'm happy that Amazon Prime has it because then it's all in one place. But what about the people that can't get Amazon Prime or don't can't afford that? Uh, you know they're not paying extra for that. Yeah, um, I don't know. I, know, I'm. Well, there's i's some all... people
1: who also um, cable TV is is really still their only option for a lot of programming because their their internet service is not broadband and they can't they can't watch streaming services. So a lot of the stuff is leaving the 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 cable venue. Um, so going well, to even take are, yeah. take a
0: look at Comcast On Demand, just to see how how choked off their programming has actually become because now they think they can make money program by program like you can get seasons of shows but you have to spend extra money just for the show
1: and i believe they've wiped my dvr of shows that i've had saved when they've gone to that mode not always but it's happened enough times
0: Hmm. all right so that's, we're, we're, we're keeping a skeptical eye on media for you. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk a little more comics and I think happier news, um, which is, I'm going to swap a couple topics here. Uh, the Charles Schultz Museum, which was threatened by the fires in Napa Valley and Sonoma, uh, Santa Rosa area, uh, it was saved. Uh, I shouldn't say saved, w- was safe. Uh, in the fire. A lot of smoke damage, apparently, uh, they're doing, and they were doing a lot of cleanup. Uh, great museum. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Charles Schultz's widow, um, they lost the home that they lived in um, to the fires. Uh, but the museum itself is there and is going to, is actually going to open on Sunday, November 5th, but the grand reopening celebration will be November 12th. So I think no matter when you get this episode produced, uh, there's a chance. Uh, go to um, the Fanboy Planet website. There's a piece about they were predicting and hoping that they would reopen, and then they just now say that it will indeed happen. So there's information on how to contact how, where the Schultz Museum is and uh, how to how to get there, how to help. You know, um, you can go to the website and donate money to them as Very well. Good. Um, and I'm I'm very excited because I I just feel like it was an interesting little oasis of of an art form that's dear to me and, and dear to you uh, and with a focus on peanuts which is of course peanuts um, you know which is this strangely universal strip that I don't think anybody can see I mean you know the kid I see kids still getting into old peanut strips in a way that you cannot get them interested in old comics you know it, it's it's just fascinating how that still holds and has a timelessness to it. Uh, I should also mention the Cartoon Art Museum in San Francisco reopened last week. They found their new location. So uh, it's a good time in the, in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, you know, to celebrate the ninth art, as they say. I think, um,
1: I think Peanuts probably qualifies as the first graphic novels that I read because I, I read the, the paperback collections.
0: Well, let's call them graphic novels then. That's interesting. I've never thought of them that way because I always thought of them as, you know, paperback collections of strips. I knew they were, but you're right. I mean, it's... It's as valid
1: as almost anything else is being called a graphic novel. When he started
0: calling it... When he started serializing, definitely. Yeah. You know, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. that's, That's cool. So speaking of a graphic novel, let's just say this one. Can you believe? Action Comics... After all the after DC Rebirth, after after Flashpoint, after everything in which Action Comics has been r- hard rebooted to number ones time and time again, uh, they went back to the original renumbering, DC did, and we've got Action Comics number 1000 coming in March 2018. It's going to be a hardcover for $30. So it's not going to fit in your long box as well if you've got an unbroken, nobody else. So has there's
1: that. not going to be a soft version?
0: They haven't said they will. Wow. Well, this is the first time a comic has reached number, or at least an American comic has reached number one thousand. Uh, so they want to make a big deal. I'm, but I'm sure they'll do the same thing with Detective when that reaches a thousand, uh, probably shortly thereafter. Um, so I don't know. You know, I would think that they that they should want to do a soft reprint, but I have not read any uh, any information on that. Um, so let's see. I'm, I'm up there. Uh, oh, well, this is interesting. Let me let me read this just to get you excited. So Pete Tomasi and Dan Jurgens will be uh, doing that. Will be doing the main story with an all star talent lineup, writing backup stories, including a, co- a story co written by Jeff Johns and su- the Superman the Movie director Richard Donner. Um, this is also going. No, maybe it's going to include the Human Target. There will be a, a historical essay by Paul Levitz. <clears throat> And all 1,000 action covers will be collected into a new poster. But most interesting to me, at least, is that uh, there's an unpublished 1940 Superman story that they believe was by Siegel and Schuster that the DC filed away 50 years ago uh, and then they just recently found. Just
1: a script, or is it actually penned?
0: No, uh, no, whole thing. Uh, wow, it, whole thing. So, um, and, and yeah, there's nothing about the soft cover. They just say uh, they just say it's a hard cover. Uh, so for uh, for thirty dollars. So, or at least that's what I've seen. Even the I, the DC side, I guess, doesn't have the actual price. But I did read somewhere else uh, that it was going to be thirty. So, I'm, you know,
1: I'm, I'm not a happy man about that. I. I I think that you always want to make sure that comics are accessible to the little guy. And $30 for one book, that's, uh, unless I, there's an alternate
0: form, that's kind of bad. Well, I don't disagree with you, and let's uh, take this as the opportunity to uh, go to what's in the bag, because I know that one thing that's in your bag is not about a price, but we'll certainly have uh, you know a similar issue. So uh, let's go. What's in your bag, Rick?
1: Well, the first thing in my bag is one of the most mixed messages I've gotten this week on things that I love, and that is Dead Man, number one of six uh, from DC Comics, written and uh, illustrated by Neil Adams. And starting with the cover, the cover is a pretty much black and white with red overtones um, picture of Batman dead man and commissioner gordon which uh figures i mean the the trilogy there. kind of you have to read the story to understand why you do that but the the if you run your hand across the cover you'll realize there's a lot of raised edges that don't match with the drawings underneath and that's because the cover is done with a glow-in-the-dark layer which actually is one of the more effective uh duo covers um i'm thinking mostly of the lenticular stuff they come out with late, lately because when you take this into a closet and you know you <laughs> as let, we do all of our reading uh, yes. yeah exactly and you you let the light shine on the bulb and then you turn it off you will actually see uh an image over where the three prior images were that is actually I mean, kind of cool and and in in keeping with the story
0: how so, much was your glow in the dark cover? I'm just curious because I don't think I have one.
1: Four ninety nine.
0: Yep, I had the three ninety nine. I don't. I didn't get the uh, glow in the dark cover.
1: Yeah. So um, that's okay. Now the story itself is kind of a mishmash. I would say that the art is certainly among. I mean, Adams. Uh, he's been slowing. In my mind, he's been slowing down a little bit in, in the quality of his art, and he's stepped it up from what he's done recently here. Uh, the fight scenes are really good. I mean, he's got, uh, he's got Kung Fu and, and guys with guns and all, all the variants that you run into with a, uh, a dead man, Batman story. Um, but the, the problem with this book is dead man, if you'll recall, was Boston brand who was killed as he was performing in front of a circus by a, an assassin, and mm-hmm. the first run of books, which went long past the first run of the book, uh, which was
0: Strange Adventures, actually, yeah, right? it, it wasn't Dead Man, so no, just and for people the, looking for the back issues. And I
1: think it actually didn't get resolved until like issues of Detective, maybe. Um, I think you're right. And so and that because it was uh, along with the Fugitive, a one armed man nicknamed Hook, and we find out we found out at the end that he Hook was part of the um the league of assassins he was he was uh he had to kill dead Man as a test there wasn't really anything uh, he'd gone through all these like detective why was boston brand killed and all this other stuff and it's just kind of random um so we start this this book off with a long distended retelling of the fact that uh, who all these characters were and who the hook was and boston brand but it's it's told in this kind of twisted time sense that you really have to read it all the way through before you kind of get what he's doing here what he's done um not since episodes of lost has it has time sense been uh screwed up this much and some of his dialogue is kind of weird i'm thinking there are some typos here that missed that missed um editorial catch so um i'm i'm a mixed mind of it it's Deadman. man i love dead man it's neil adams i love neil adams um and i'm hoping this the story pulls out better than the what was the name of the the superman um
0: i want to say it was reign of the superman but i'm not sure
1: yeah i think you're right i think there's reign of the superman that was weird and then there was the batman odyssey and that was super weird so Deadman. man uh is a little weird it's not on it's not on the same level as those prior two efforts are
0: they set in their own continuity i mean like is it one linked continuity because i read the first issue of batman odyssey i didn't bother with superman reign of the Superman. right and i so i picked this up because i love Deadman.
1: man yeah I and, I, and
0: i loved what they just did with Deadman man a few months ago
1: yeah, I don't think that we're we're going to be looking at you mean the House of Love or the the yeah the yeah of Love the or... ro-
0: the Gothic Romance one. Yeah, I yeah. Was, was I it was just a really cool take on it. But I, I mean, is this is this a story set completely on is it a one off on its own or is it tying into Rebirth or is Neil Adams like Frank Miller allowed to basically say he has his own little continuity? Which I'm I don't have. A problem see, I'm not with, seeing a Rebirth
1: tie in, but I'm not seeing it outside of Batman continuity. I mean, okay. it's it, Dead Man hasn't around long enough to establish his, his own permanent continuity in any of the books.
0: Well, you know, so I mean, but that's the thing. Outside so,
1: outside of his stint in Swamp Thing,
0: well, um, we were in Justice League Dark, uh, yeah. so he was a member of Justice League Dark. That's I was, true. I was that's reading true. through that in New Fifty Two, um, but one thing I was gonna, I think while we we're joking, this is like who is it? Who is it for? He is the reality is a kid today? Yeah. Is not going to have all the affection and the history that you see in Neil Adams' book. No. And you are remembering, picking these up. Uh, I think there's still an energy that a kid might get, but if it's not coherent storytelling. That's the problem, because it's structured like something that should be giving you all the backstory.
1: But the backstory is mixed in with this forward story. And you know, it's, part of it is because, you know, you when Boston Brand takes somebody over, you're not sure who they are. And if they act a little weird, you're going, yeah, to that this Boston was the, or whatever? This is yeah. the
0: tack he took on Batman Odyssey. I remember yeah, that.
1: Yeah. So, so um, the structure seems like it would be perfect for reintrodu- I- introducing this to new readers. But it's a little frenetic in its retelling, and I don't know. You know, I think you'd, a new reader would have to read it, you know, four or five times to actually kind of catch so me, on to what's going on. Let me here. put
0: it out to listeners: is you know, what does Neil Adams mean to you? Like, I walk into uh, this last weekend, I went to LA Comic Con, and it reminded me of the first time I went to to San Diego Comic Con, which is walked into one of the first booths I saw was Neil Adams at San Diego. That was the first booth I literally saw. I could not believe that I was seeing Neil Adams. You yeah know? so he's still always front and center he places himself very well over you know make sure his booth is in the sits path. behind
1: his own booth He man's the whole thing
0: yeah you know and I think he I, we've talked about him before there's no doubt that he moved the medium forward so much um, but does he but does he mean anything to an audience today and that's and that's the question um, you know, we'll see. I, I, my argument would be that by putting him on something like Dead Man, even though that's where he started, um, at least it's a character weird enough that maybe someone will pick it up because, well, Dead Man maybe doesn't have to be quite as quite as linear because it is a supernatural story. Yeah, yeah.
1: I don't uh, know. It, it may pay off in the end, um, but we're only book one of six right now.
0: Right, so there we go. Uh, in my bag, I'm going to go virtual. I have a virtual bag because I just discovered... Um, that uh, this this web comic, I, I guess I've been getting. Uh, I probably got an email a couple of times and not paid attention, or rather, it's gotten lost in the two to three hundred that I, I get uh, each day. And um, for a a title called Kismet, Man of Fate, and it, it's by a, a guy written by a guy named uh, A David Lewis, who I knew from years ago at Comic Con. Um, who uh, had a, briefly worked with a company called Red Eye Press and uh, did a horror book called, or a science fiction book called Mortal Coils. So David and I have touch, uh, stayed in touch over the years, and uh, I don't know, he's been posting about this, and I did not realize that it was out there. So if you go to this place called a waveblueworld.com and they, what they're doing is they're running web titles, and then once the story is done, then they will put a hard copy out which so they've not done that yet, but Kismet is uh, is a public domain character from the Golden Age that, uh, I don't know if this is originally the way Kismet was or if this is the way David put it, uh, has become kind of uh, almost like a, ca- a Muslim Captain Marvel. And I mean Shazam. Um, we'll come back to Shazam later. Uh, and, and it's a... It's, Interesting, acknowledging he was an Algerian freedom fighter in World War II. Those were the original stories. And i got to dive deep because I think that a lot of people are pointing this out, that because of the war and the American um, desire to support all its allies, that there became kind of, there was a great diversity in World War II, in Golden Age comics that people forget about. Because many of those characters just didn't click and survive past the war, right? So Kisman is one of them. Um, and so he's created this story uh, about this character coming back, acknowledging all the World War II stories, and then coming back after oh. having been kind of isolated in his nether story, they call it Side Space, um, and uh, trading places with uh, a young Muslim man. Uh, I won't give away what's happening there but but that reaching the conclusion that maybe at least so far that the, that 2016 because it's going kind of to look back to last year that 2016 is not uh, it's not the time for superhero it's time for civic leaders and for people to empower themselves. Hmm. So, so it's an interesting take uh, you know with all that's going on, in the world and in the United States to reach that conclusion that, you know, it's both a defense of why superheroes are great uh, fodder for stories, but also about what we need to do to stand up for our own beliefs and our own rights in in the country and in the world. Um, It's not finished, but uh, you can read the first four chapters so far online. Uh, And I'm really glad I discovered it. And so I just wanted to call it out this week because I thought if I don't, I will forget and, um, so, you know, we'll put the link on the page, uh, back at fanboyplanet.com. And, uh, and you'll, you know, I think it's, it's, it's worth a look. And the artist, uh, I, I'm blanking on his name, but he did, uh, Elk's Run and, uh, and Tumor with, uh, oh, why, oh man, I'm getting so bad at, 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 names. But, uh, but two graphic novels that I think that you and I have both enjoyed. Um, so... As I was going to say, it's not Josh Dysart, it's Joshua, um, that's Yes, Joshua Fialkov, Joshua Hale Fialkov. So one of his collaborators is working on this with, uh, A. David Lewis. And so oh. it's really interesting. Uh, so let's turn to uh, what's next in your bag, Rick.
1: So the next in my bag is, now, did you read the Captain America leg of Secret Empire?
0: Well, actually, you know, uh, I'm catching up on a Marvel Comics Unlimited. So okay. yes, I've gotten most of it. I've gotten everything up to the point the Secret Empire begins.
1: So remember that Captain America, um, through a manipulation of the Red Skull and the Cosmic Cube, had his history re- rewritten such that he was always part of Hydra. Right. Right. And the thing was, we had uh, we had the creative services of Marvel when they were dealing with the press and stuff saying, no, this is Captain America. And so...
0: Um, and then we had Fanboy Planet saying, no, it's not.
1: Well, <laughs> yeah. So so this is... And now this is Marvel Legacy. So we've gone back to the the original numbering. So we're at issue 695. That uh, means countdown to issue 700, folks. Um, and the a return to the old Captain America logo with the four stars, you know, two stars on either side of the... Yeah. Uh, um so it's it is it is super nostalgic presentation in this this book. It's it's like it's it's like almost a 180 degrees 360 you know they're spinning around so much uh in opposition to what has come before to the point where and I'm going to read to you from the the uh you know what's come before part of the book at the beginning first page. Mm-hmm. An evil version of Captain America led the world to the brink of destruction. The original Captain America returned in time to stop him, but the dark legacy of the Secret Empire lingers on, a truth felt by no one no one more than Steve Rogers himself. Can Steve find his place in a world that has been made to fear Captain America? Okay, so Evil Captain America got trumped by the return of real Captain America. So Yes, I read that. We are we are retconning. We are retconning like mad here anyway that's all the bad stuff i'm going to say about this because i like this book this is uh, mark wade and S- chris samney yes um, who we
0: just Sam- done daredevil
1: and samney is uh the samney and wade are the storytellers and samney and matthew wilson are the artists and samney's art style is super cool in a very retro
0: i love um, samney's queen
1: way um and we get a, not quite a, uh, desperate scientist, lonely couple, Superman, one page origin retelling, but we do get a one page origin retelling that, um, that springs back into a story 10 years ago, which was basically when Cap was busted out of the ice now. So he's been around for 10 years. Um, and we have there's an interesting little dialogue with a kid who runs into Captain America, and he's 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 Cap is uh, explaining because uh, he's new still, relatively in, in this in this early part of the story, and the kid says, "Oh, you're an Icer. You're one of those people who believe Captain America was on ice and wasn't just somebody the Avengers created so they could cap- capitalize on Captain America."
0: Yeah, I have heard that that was going to be the phrase, so that's yeah. that's funny. Well, so I that, mean, that's a great re definition for 2017
1: and then we have cap we have there is a there is a hook between the early story and the later story which is in true that is introducing a set of bad guys built for this our day and era which is let me find i want to quote it exactly the um okay so they're called rampart and rampart is essentially uh, white supremacists in in kind of a brown and red costume that looks kind of like Hydra and almost has an H on the front but it's not Hydra but it kind of looks like Hydra. So there you have it. And then um <laughs> what's what's also kind of silly at the end of this book. So we get the end the, we, this book actually doesn't continue into the next book. It's 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 a book that people can pick up and get the whole story although there is definitely overshadowing of what's going to come this season on Captain America. But then after you turn past the the um, the stand-in for Cap's Corner, the letters page with a, a nice little nice little introduction by Mark Wade, then you get we get again a three-page origin story that, that flushes out how how Cap, uh, young Steve Rogers, who really wanted to be in the war, became Captain America, and ta-da.
0: Which, really, you do have to soft reboot because of the way that, you know, if somebody came into it, I'm pretending this would really happen, somebody came into it because they read Secret Empire, uh, <laughs> <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> totally re- retold that. You know, that, that, I mean, Nick Spencer had essentially rewritten all that to be like the got, you know, Cubic's version of what happened. And so, I, don't
1: have any, I don't have any problem with that at all. It's just the whole idea of the, that, that they had to say the evil Captain America and the good Captain no, America. No, and totally, to and I want to, you know,
0: further. I want a book that, this is back to the Dead Man question, right? You know, I want a book that a kid or a new reader can pick up. If you're going to relaunch, if you're going to say, do this legacy, do it. Yeah. Make it accessible and make people understand, yeah, yeah, I might have read something in the New York Times. But that's not that's not true anymore, and and you know that's fine. So I want to talk about another redefinition because this is coming. Um, this is a surprisingly delightful book, Black Lightning, uh, with a subtitle of Cold Dead Hands. I'm not sure if that means that that's what it's uh, what we're calling it, or you know, it's part one. Okay, that's the storyline. It's a mini series, um, Black Lightning being redefined in the Rebirth era. Um, with a somewhat redone—I shouldn't say origin—but remember, in Rebirth, it's ten years gone. So the marriage slash divorce slash children that kind of showed up in the '90s seem to be gone. Although they will be part of the CW TV series. Um, this is actually written by the original creator of Black Lightning, Tony Isabella. Unfortunately, Trevor Von Eden, the co-creator, uh, the artist, is not not there. Although a very fine artist uh, Clayton Henry is is taking over that role. This was redefining black lightning for 2017 hmm. and also establishing uh, it, it sort of it's sort of like winking at things you might have thought. So there's a Tobias whale. It's not the Tobias whale that you knew if you were a black lightning fan. But it's also, there's a very specific, and I think almost somewhat clever, reason for it. And sometimes when you see original creators coming back after years, it becomes like an old style, you know, it reads like a comic from the 70s. This does not. It feels very much like 2017. Uh, I highly recommend this book. This is one that I did read this week. Uh, and I say anybody can pick up and, uh, you know, they'll get up to speed. There are references to the rest of the DC universe. There's nothing in here that will make you feel like, uh, oh, I really missed something. Although, clearly, other things have happened in Black Lightning's life. Um, this is a great jumping-on book. So, uh, anyway, uh, I, I highly recommend this. And, and a redefinition of, you know, well, what does it mean when a superhero... We might have seen this story before but i you know what does it mean when a superhero a vigilante comes into a place where there hasn't been one and is everybody going to be so welcoming today um and you know maybe not so it's it, it's interesting and, and, and i think this is a really strong book for the week so what's uh, what give me one more out of your bag
1: okay so the uh the next one is <clears throat> Hanna Barbera's the jetsons issue one of six and this is uh, a, yet again another another reimagining of a of a uh, of a Hanna Barbera TV series, um, and we we've talked about this on the show because we were kind of interested by the early images of the Jetsons. They're definitely revamped. They're they're not comic booky. They're they it really looks like a a relatively hard sci-fi kind of story. And so you've got George. And Elroy and Judy and Jane. George is uh, kind of a work a work ho- a day guy. Elroy is going out and getting into trouble. He really really comes across in this book kind of like a um, kind of like a Johnny Quest, but not as smart. Uh, Judy <laughs> Judy, I didn't really get that much more than you know, kind of like they had implied that she was uh, she was a social media gadfly kind of person and then jane who apparently has been given the biggest re- redraw of all because she's uh intelligent in charge of uh big systems programs outer space stuff and but there's a lot of stuff in this that makes a lot of this rewrite makes more sense than the original uh tv show because you know why were they all in floating cities and the reason is they're in the future where the, the ecology collapsed and the ocean, you know, it's, it's basically, um, what is it? Ocean world. What was the, uh, the water world, water world. It's basically water world. Um, there was, you know, ecological problems. There was a meteorite and all this. And so now, um, Elroy actually goes off on his own with a, a pal, a buddy, a you know, girl, and they have, um, an adventure under the sea where they're looking at all these destroyed cities that are under the sea. Um, and Jane's involved in some stuff in outer space. Anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to blow all the storyline here, but, um, it's got all the beats of the original with like at one scene, you have, uh, you have a dog on a treadmill. Right. And, well, as say, you and, missed and
0: you, the, you missed the eight page backup, right? That was in one of those I did. specials. I did. So I'd say go back to that. I can't remember which one it was the backup to, but, yeah. um, because that's where Judy really gets the depth.
1: But uh, the one thing that's really kind of kind of biting here is you've got the re uh, redefinition of the robot, home right? Maker. But that's it.
0: That's in the eight page backup, and I don't want to spoil that for you. Okay, but that's so, there's okay. a really touching story. It was it was well, weird. I'm with talk, you.
1: And George talks to her about it, and and uh, that's 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 uh, that's taking a risk. I mean, there could be some people really put off by it. Oh yeah. I thought it, I thought it was charmingly done. Um, but you know, some people, you know, they don't want to see their Jetsons change. Um, but I'm going to be buying all six of these. It's just, I can
0: tell you right now. Well, no, I, I'm, I, I'm into it because it's, uh, Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti writing, at least. I can't right, remember if right, they're right. on the art and I, I love what Amanda and Jimmy do. It's, you know, it's, it's
1: Palmiotti Brito, Brito and Sinclair.
0: Okay. So, you know, they've, they, they've got an interesting, interesting take, um, which, uh, so then... Uh, so for my I you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna stay all DC uh, no I didn't because you you had dead man uh, I think that I, we've talked about this before that my favorite intercompany crossover of all time is Archie meets the Punisher one that should not have worked but did and I've said that batten lash who wrote that and does uh, uh, oh my gosh I am blanking on this uh, attorney's of law the the Oh, yeah. Um. This is horrible because I have so many volumes of it, too, and I, 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 I love it. Um, but anyway, Battenlash, uh, wonderful cartoonist, wrote that crossover. I think it's one of the greatest. Uh, this is rivaling it. Harley and Ivy meet Betty and Veronica. So it's a DC and Archie Comics crossover that should not have worked. But here it is. Paul Dini returning to Harley Quinn.
1: Wolfenbird,
0: Wolfenbird, attorneys of the macabre. Yes, uh, so uh, Paul Dini returned with Mark Andreo to write this crossover. Um, there's an, actually a really good reason why Poison Ivy wants to go to Riverdale, and she's oh. mad at Mr. Lodge, and so it's kind of the soft reboot of Archie that they've done, kind of. But uh, you know, it, 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 it's it it's interesting and it's perfectly reasonable why. Betty and Veronica would be the focus rather than than Archie, um, and this is a, a, a another one—a strangely delightful crossover. That when you see the poster or you know the mini poster in your in your comic shop, say that should not work. It does, and it's fun. And uh, so I just want to call that out. Uh, let's get to uh, some movie stuff. Do um, we not
1: want to talk about
0: uh, the page? No, my gosh. I because yes. oh, you went your you it's not going to afford to you jerk. Uh, I thought we agreed we, you were just going to live be one year three. So talk about it. It's actually going to be it's actually going to be six. You're getting six. You know I,
1: I am. I am actually because uh, this. Uh, oh this sure, because we... you
0: control the recording, you can do all that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I control the vertical and the horizontal too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: The, uh, the Brett Schneider limits. Okay. Go ahead. So uh,
1: we have this week uh, issue number four of Betty Page by David Avaloni um, and, uh, Isao Figueroa and Bane Duncan Wade doing the art, and I, of course, get, always get the, uh, Joseph Michael Lindsner covers, um, which is poignant, because this, I mean, first off, about this series, um, you may be looking at, at this and going, out oh, it's just none of those cheesecake stories with no writing. Well, that's not what is uh, delivering and he's no. delivering a Petty. Betty Page is entirely what we expect of Betty Page and clever in using her feminine wiles and dealing with bad guys and no superhero, no superpowers. No, well, let's be no honest, man running because in to help I, her.
0: I know that David would be honored by this, by, you know, would take this as the high compliment it is. David is a first rate pulp writer. Yeah. And, and I mean that in the best sense. And that he's translated that to comics is terrific. You know, and I, and I you know, that's, we, we've, we always, have, I feel like we always have to call this out. He kind his father, Michael Avellone, was, a, was also one of the top pulp writers of the 50s and 60s. And probably the 70s, too. Let's, let's go that far. So, yeah. you know, um, David and, and his, his sister Susan as well have, um, you know, in, inherited uh, or built off of their father's talent. Absolutely. So, you know, they so. Got, they've got that.
1: Along with this, we have. Uh, I mean, I just got back from DocCon, where David was the guest of honor, and David clued me into the fact that I needed to pick up issue the current issue of Playboy, which is the one honoring December, December. issue. Yeah, it's the it's the November December issue because they only come out with six a year now.
0: Oh, I didn't know it was bimonthly. And it's on you can tell it's I haven't on, bought it in decades. It's yeah. on the
1: stands right now, um, and in that he had been contacted. To, because somebody found out about the betty betty page comic he had been contacted to do a short uh betty page story for that issue uh, because there were there were a lot of uh betty page uh, connections to early playboy um and he did a wonderful little six pager And that is actually illustrated by Joseph Michael Lindsner. So I just loved it.
0: Well, and it's appropriate for a couple of things. It's not just a Betty Page connection. It's that Hugh Hefner wanted to be a comic book artist, wanted to be a cartoonist. Ah. And uh, showed, apparently, I've never seen it, but but, um, very little actual aptitude for it. Ah. Uh, But uh, Jack Cole, the creator of Plastic Man, Another one that'll come back at the end, right? Uh, the creator of Plastic Man, um, the end of his career before he unfortunately killed himself, was doing cartoons for Playboy, uh, oh. doing doing spot comics. Um, cool. So some clever I Always stuff. had the
1: best spot comics.
0: Yeah, so um, yeah. you know that's uh, Hugh Hefner was a huge. Well, because you know there was Little Annie Fanny, right? Um, yeah, yeah no. But uh, but uh, Hugh Hugh Hefner was a huge comic book fan. So, to merge Betty Page into comics is something that um, you know is an appropriate tribute, and uh, I think I, I would I go along with you. I think that David has elevated it beyond what people would think it is because of what people think of Betty Page when they just look at it they don't know anything about her there's and, There's
1: a great line in the issue number four where she's saying, this is not she's she's having to take her dress off because she's in the water and she's gonna have to swim shes She's saying, this is not cheesecake." <laughs> like okay. Yeah, it sure isn't. <laughs> but uh, and then the
0: last of the David Avalone triptych today yes, is yes. Go uh, ahead. Yeah. the
1: graphic novel collection of Ring of Fire, the Doc Savage uh, four issue story uh, featuring Doc and Pat Savage meeting and rescuing uh, Amelia Earhart which, a uh, great story. It just, great story if it ends there, but it actually came out about the same time they had that, uh, photograph that they were claiming they put, placed, uh, Amelia.
0: Which David know, automatically, you know, almost instantly debunked online. because yeah. uh, <laughs> he's just done all this research. Is it, no, this is why it's not. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I hope there's more, for, uh, that Dynamite, who publishes both Betty Page and, and Doc Savage, uh, you know, give him the opportunity to write more, because I, I've said it before, that uh, I think uh, that until Ring of Fire, the best Doc Savage comics I'd ever read were the Marvel black and whites. Yes. You know, the the Marvel color ones were uh, adaptations of the novels, and not bad ones. They were sort of my gateway into reading the novels. But I love the black and the black and white magazines. The which, black
1: and whites always felt like they had more effort put into them. You know? Which, you know,
0: oddly enough, the best way to capture the, get get those right now is to buy the DC Showcase edition yes, of indeed. Doc Savage. Um, but uh, but you know, I, a lot of publishers have tried to do Doc Savage since, and Dynamite had done several that I thought were interesting. Chris Roberson um, did some interesting things trying to bring him into the modern day. David ignored it, ignored those modern day things, and just did a 1938 pulp story, and it is the best Doc Savage comics, uh, at least since the black and whites. I'll I'll go ahead, you know, because the black and whites went a little crazier, I think, sometimes than what uh, Lester Dent uh, would have originally done, and which is hard to say because sometimes those got crazy. But you know, um, I think David's written one of the, you know, maybe the best Doc Savage in comics that we've had since the 60s. Totally
1: agree degree and that's coming out that's uh, out uh, on the stands today i think yeah it, so all it, it those is. all those you can pick up today
0: yeah so let's talk movies um because there's still a comics connection i've got one which the number one horror film uh, october was happy death day which is written by former x-men writer scott lovdell huge marvel guy in the late 90s and early aughts um who uh had this script that someone that they uh, you know someone optioned like eight years ago and then forgot about and then revived this year for Bloomhouse and turned into a surprisingly crisp, fun if you find these things fun and I do horror movie. So I just want to point out this is like a comic book writer is like that it was the number one screenwriter of of October. So if you haven't seen Happy Death Day and you are into those kinds of movies, I highly recommend it. It's a it's fun, cool. Uh, yeah, I've got bad news for you, which is Christoph Waltz has said sadly he will not be returning as Blofeld for Bond twenty five, whatever title that will be.
1: It's time uh, to take a break anyway.
0: For it's time for you to take Blofeld. a break from Blofeld. Well, from
1: Blofeld. I mean, I mean. Well, we just found out that all of the all the Craig movies were basically Blofeld salaries, right?
0: Yeah, sure sh- yeah, exactly. They're all retconned as Blofeld stories. I would like to see him play Blofeld in a better Bond movie. So yeah. I'm kind of disappointed because I would have liked to see the character come back. Just, I mean, you know, because the novels, there was a huge run of Blofeld being the bad guy. So let's, uh, let's have that happen.
1: You're going to be uh, happy with anything you see Christoph Waltz in, just like I am. I mean, no, I
0: love Christoph Waltz. Uh, he's he's all, I, I, I've seen him in some bad movies, but... I've always enjoyed him in them. He's just got... He's just, you know, he's kind of that movie star thing. He's got that vibe, whatever it is. He is a movie actor. He is a good movie actor and and, and, and just really, uh, really interesting to watch. So, and well, probably your mileage may vary to anybody listening, but that's my opinion and I'll stick to it. Paramount is going to remake Pet Cemetery because all Stephen King properties are hot. Uh, and, uh, you know which is sadly not the Dark, dark Tower, but, you know, It uh, was all was also, I should say, let me, let me amend that Happy Death Day thing. It was pop, was the number one horror movie for the last two weeks of September, whatever it, it was released, and into the first week of October, and then Happy Death Day came in and kind of knocked it down a little bit. But, you know, by by week four, it's understandable that It... Would have lost some of his legs, but uh, you know, really um, strong. It's,
1: it's really hard to pre- to follow the pronouns in that, that last bit of.
0: <laughs> I know, I know, but I can say from going to the L.A. Comic Con, all the Pennywises. So many people, oh, yeah. Pennywise. It was, it was, uh, and of course, as always, just a slightly disturbing, sexy Pennywises. Those bother me. Those really bother me. Uh, So, uh, let's do a little bit of DC Cinematic Universe status, which, by the way, apparently the DC Extended Universe is no longer what they're calling it. They're back to calling it the DC Cinematic Universe, which is what everybody wanted to call it in the first place, but then they said, no, they're going to be different. Um, Henry Cavill has basically... They should stop
1: being different.
0: (laughs) They should. Well, that's exactly what Henry Cavill said. (laughs) <laughs> he said that even if Marvel didn't exist, Man of Steel and Batman v Superman would have been problematic. That they <laughs> Warner Brothers has had time. And I'm like, well, spoken like a man whose contract must be ironclad. I don't know what it is. I think it's interesting that in Justice League, there's been a, a flurry of, of Instagram photos and Twitter photos, you know, and they're really re-emphasizing that Zack Snyder is involved, was involved. Uh-huh. Um, so there's a lot of pictures of Zack Snyder on the set, but they're all clearly old, and they're really downplaying Joss Whedon, and I don't know what it's about other than to say, you know, we do know you know, Snyder suffered a a great personal tragedy, and that's why he stepped away from the film, and I do want to give the guy credit, um, but it's just interesting how the publicity is really ratcheting that side of it up, and we're forgetting that Joss Whedon uh, reshot a tremendous amount of this film. But... uh, What has leaked out now, and I say leaked because, you know, yes, it's an unsourced report, but I see this is true how reactive uh, Warner Brothers has been. It's not DC, but it's called DC Films, right? Is that even though at at Comic-Con they announced Flashpoint in 2020, um, Flashpoint is in danger. uh, That Warner Brothers has decided they're waiting and seeing how Justice League does. And if Justice League doesn't do well, there will be no Flashpoint. There will be no Cyborg. Aquaman will be released because Aquaman is uh, basically in post-production. Wonder Woman 2 will happen because even Henry Cavill said they didn't figure it out until Wonder Woman. So, yeah, that one's a done deal. Over on the left, at New Line Cinema... So, So they're
1: ready to pull the plug.
0: They're ready to pull the plug. Because over on the left, New Line Cinema is—I mean, this is crazy—they announced Zachary Levi is going to play Shazam, not Captain Marvel, because that's a Marvel character, but Shazam, the superhero formerly known as Captain Marvel. Zachary Levi—a decision uh, could work, but very odd to me. Um, you know, it wouldn't have been the fr- been one of the frontrunners because, to me, what would make what will make Shazam work is a really good kid, is Billy Batson. Um, because i think that's what makes the the character different yeah 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 you know um at the same time they're still developing a black adam solo film which i think is okay um get the anti-hero stuff the the tragic backstory actually you know that that film with dwayne johnson as black adam that film actually already exists it's called the scorpion king uh so you can go that's back and true. watch that you know it, it, it does uh, but that's okay. Let that be over there because then you can just have a fun movie with Zachary Levi as Captain Marvel, or I'm sorry, Shazam, up against Doctor Savannah. Or I uh, and I put this on having fun. I would love it if Mister Mind were the villain. Just be so absolutely goofy. The thing that no one would expect. And his enemy is a little worm. I would just I, I I would just love it. I I I have no no insight. Who was it?
1: Who was it you were posing as Savannah, uh, actor wise. Didn't you have somebody?
0: Oh, uh, I, you know, I have to look up this. <laughs> Let me look up what I said. Um, I, I, first, I said the Six Flags uh, dancing guy. Oh yeah, uh, the, the old guy there. Um, but that was a uh, good call. Th- it's a good call. They do. They they do look. Uh, well, I do think that uh, Finn uh, Finn Wolfhard should be from Stranger Things. Should be black uh, black Adam, Should be Billy Batson. Um, I just thought it'd be interesting. Could it be, Richard O'Brien riffraff from it. rocky was horror it. yeah yeah wouldn't you love something yeah. they weren't just being oh the big red cheese you know mm. yeah. um yeah. there could be something but somebody else posted uh on the facebook page that like well maybe uh jackie Earl haley um huh. he would be okay but it's like that's the part he's doing all the time I I know. keep know com-
1: i keep coming back to um Uh, i had his name a second ago uh never mind
0: yeah welcome to the fanboy planet dysnomia podcast (laughs) where we can remember words like dysnomia but we cannot remember the names of people we like
1: uh Uh, dr horrible sing-along blog uh
0: neil patrick harris
1: yeah i would love to see him shave his head and and get it and get his it it is a role removed from Doctor Doctor Horrible, but in the same way it is, uh, it it brings the uh, the evil villain. Well, how about I Neil Patrick think-
0: Harris Mister Mind? Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> put both of those villains in. Get the Goofy out of the way because Black Adam will take away all the goofiness.
1: That's true. Yeah.
0: You know, so, uh, anyway, that's, that, that, that's where we are with uh, the DCX uh, cinematic universe. I want to go to television uh, and just say that finally there's a plan in place for the King Killer Chronicles. Patrick Rothfuss and Lin-Manuel Miranda teaming together creatively to produce a television series that, ho-ho, this I did not realize. The television series will be a prequel. To the novels
1: oh. oh wow well plenty of room i guess
0: yes so it's going to show time they've picked it up they're going to develop and the reason why they want to do a prequel is because the lin-manuel miranda uh, has also promised they will make films of uh, the name of the wind the wise man's fear and the someday will be published third novel <laughs> oh trilogy. yeah yeah. know i couldn't um, even come up with a clever title of it uh you know uh, I'll be dead before I read it. That's the title. <laughs> right, right. Um,
1: Day three. Um, yeah, th- th- this week uh, not this month, uh, they actually published a tenth anniversary edition of Name of the Wind. Hardball. I saw that, and I thought, should I buy that? No. <laughs> it's lo- it's it's absolutely lovely and it's il- illustrated um yeah, but, you know I, the point is i've just
0: read it i i, I, I have a paperback i, I, I don't I, I don't need it and again i just think it is a fan the day of the wind is such a fantastic fantastic novel and well, the only reason was- i can't speak of wise man's fear is because i refuse to read it until i know there's a publication date for the third one
1: <laughs> that's that's been my that's been my tactic all along um <laughs> And I, I did audiobook, so I didn't actually have a copy of it before. So oh, about, well, then
0: that makes the sense. Hardback. And yeah. and then enjoy reading it because there's something about uh, his phrasing. Uh, there are there are passages in there that are, are poetry. He's really oh, amazing. and they come out
1: as poetry in the audiobook. I can't remember who read the audiobook, but it was like oh, this I mean, is you just gotta
0: process like it as a reader. Yeah, yeah. Um, Say so, so there's there's bad news in Superheroville. Apparently, you know, they announced that New Warriors, Squirrel Girl, the Squirrel Girl-led New Warriors, uh, was going to come to Freeform, but apparently Freeform, uh, that would used to be ABC Family, has no room on their schedule in the next year. So Marvel is shopping it around because they've been given the freedom. They really want it to come out in the come on television in the next year because they've cast everybody. They're in production. Um, and, uh, but they've also been told they can't shop it for, to a network that's not owned by Disney. Huh. Okay. Yeah, kind of a weird restriction, which means if they're told that, then it, it almost sounds like one of... Uh, two contradictory things are happening, which is we know that Disney's going to do a stream. We're back to our streaming argument. We know they're going to do a streaming network, but they're not going to do it before 2019, which is then outside of the two-year limit that Marvel is trying to get this series on the air. So I don't know if Hulu still has a relationship. I know that Disney had been an early investor in Hulu, this is where the how the sausage is made. You know the, the the inside baseball stuff is. I don't know if Disney still has a piece of Hulu or not, and I mean some ABC programming is still there, so it could join Runaways, but I don't know. Um, so right now we don't know if the New Warriors are actually going to go to series or not.
1: It's kind of interesting because right now I don't know how valid the New Year Warriors are. I'd I'd go with Champions or you know.
0: Well, no, you know why why New Warriors are valid because it, it's Squirrel Girl. But I would also agree with you that the thing is Just they tailored Squirrel Girl
1: and Champions. They, they tailored
0: yeah. that concept for freeform for the Becomers, yeah. um, and so if you tailored it for a network and then that network doesn't have room for it in the time frame you want to have it on the air, yeah, then you got to redo the show. So you're right, Champions maybe. Except I wouldn't do Champions. And, you know, and here's why. Because I think Champions is the next level of what happens after Avengers 4. I
1: so think possible.
0: You, I think you bring in... You've introduced Captain Marvel, Avengers 4. will explain where she's been. And then Ms. Marvel, Kamala Khan, gets to be there. She's cinematic. And remember, this is the other problem. That what happens on TV, no matter how many times Jeff Loeb says, he's like Kevin Bacon at the end of Animal House, going, remain calm. Remain calm. Jeff Loeb says... It's all connected. It's all connected. And it's not. The only people that are claiming it's connected now are the TV people. And, it, it you know, it, it's not. Which is, by the way, i I got to ask. Because I I, I've, I've actually cared so little and I can't believe that I've cared so little. I haven't I watched any going. of the Inhumans.
1: I have been watching it and I've been enjoying it, but I've been also lamenting how... Um, how badly it's it's plotted and it's not i don't i don't really have a problem with a lot of the characterizations maybe making gorgon really dumb i is because i always thought gorgon was wise and they're having him being it's almost like uh you know of mice and men with it's Karnak like t- and, it's like
0: tv and, stereotyping
1: yeah so he's a big big dumb guy with hooves um karnak has been probably the most involved character uh, as far as plot development plot and character development um crystals wasted uh medusa's been kind you of the action her hero yeah but even without her hair she's been the action hero of this thing and black the- bolt's been the one that had to be rescued and-
0: there will not be a season two
1: yeah and, i'm not and, surprised
0: and imax has also said they will they will not be um Featuring television out. series. <laughs> 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 they regret their they regret their ally, alliance with Marvel on that one. Yeah, They're not going to regret this week because Thor Ragnarok's going to open and they'll say, all is forgiven. Please don't give us the Inhumans again.
1: Yeah, I uh, actually, uh, JK at uh, at uh, Hijinx has already seen it and said it was really good.
0: Yeah. He said yeah. It, was,
1: it was more funny.
0: Yes, uh, I will see it. Uh, I, I, I did see the little... Um, preview session they they did at Disney or at California adventure because um, that's the thing they, now you know where the Muppets used to be they put in whatever the new Marvel movie is they show like oh eight minutes and then and then a trailer yeah. um, and it was actually it, it was really fun and that's all I have tickets for tomorrow night um, you know that's I know there was a press screening up up in the Bay Area press screenings in, uh, on Monday night but uh, I was in LA so um, that's yeah. I'm looking forward to that as well. Far more than I am catching up on Inhumans. Uh, last night, Twitter was aflame with hashtag Plastic Man. Plastic Man was trending. I got excited. Uh, it turned <laughs> out it was because, uh, long pro- as long promised, Ralph Dibney appeared on uh, The Flash. Uh, and the reason that it, <laughs> people were saying, hey, Plastic Man's there, but apparently there's a line. This is no spoiler because it's spoiled, I guess to the extent it, it's spoiled for me, is that... Um, <laughs> is that Walt, uh, Barry Allen told Ralph Dibney, you need to have some kind of superhero code name, because it's, it's been a running gag, how uh, you know the Cisco right, always right. comes up Cisco. with the names. Yeah. So he said, how about Plastic Man? And Ralph said, that's stupid. You're so <laughs> I, I, the elongated man is better. Uh, <laughs> so anyway, um, but what was funny was half of Twitter was saying, oh my God, Plastic Man's coming to TV, that's awesome, Plastic Man's here. And the other half of Twitter is, no, it's the elongated <laughs> man. It was a joke against plastic man, uh, you know, and so um, anyway, Ralph Dibney is there. They gave kind of a reason where I guess to some extent, I, I haven't watched the episode yet, but to some extent his background was a little perhaps blurred with Neil O'Brien's, but it's still Ralph, Ralph Dibney uh, yeah. as a detective. And and it sounds like not the, uh, not the um, amateur one, even though he was one of the best in the DCU, uh, not the, not quite the amateur status that he was in the comics, but I would hope that means that with him on the flash that we'll start, we'll see a mini series again of the elongated man. Um, we, you know, it reminds me to go pick up, I got to figure out where I left off in the trades of secret six, the last version, but I know wow. that they put that they published, uh, you know, they've collected the last two arcs. I, I think I read the first two arcs, and so I need to read the last two to, oh, you do. to, to, to see well. Ralph and Ralph and Sue back. Um, I'm hoping that's what it, where, it, where it goes. So that's, uh, that's all we had to talk about this week, and thank you so much for uh, li- listening this week. And, of course, if you have any questions, comments, compliments, uh, commentary, criticism, let us know. Write into editor at fanboyplanet.com or uh, make a comment on the Facebook page. Fanboy Planet, uh, you know we do uh, want to occasionally make sure we're we're covering things that people want to to talk about, to listen to us talk about. People like listening to us. Huh? That's nice. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, uh, once again, you, you can uh, find anything we talk about on Amazon.com, and you can go through the links on Fa- Fanboy Planet. Uh, and uh, of course, love Think Geek as well. Uh, so uh, that's it for this week. Uh, I'm Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com.
1: And I'm Rick Brett Snyder, reminding
0: you to use, use your, your powers, powers only, only for good. good.